Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. On this episode, I'm delighted that Mel Ross agreed to join me on the virtual sofa. Mel and I have got to know each other well over the last few months as it became apparent that there was a natural affinity between what Mel focuses upon, humanising transformation, and what I'm doing with the Transformation Leaders Hub and helping pe- people to launch and scale consulting businesses. Her approach, grounded by over 10 years of in-depth analysis and data, is fascinating, and I'm sure that there will be lots that you'll take from this episode, especially the seven mindsets approach. So let me introduce you to Mel right now. Hi, Mel. Uh, great to uh, great to see you again. Um, delighted that you've agreed to join us on the uh, Transformation Leaders podcast today. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, we start off always by asking you to introduce yourself, um, a little bit about your background, but specifically how you ended up getting into changing transformation. That's brilliant. Thanks, Tony. And delighted to be here as well. I'm really happy. Any opportunity that I get to share the story. Um, so who am I and where, I, where I've come from? It's really interesting, actually, because I think in, in my career that has been quite a varied career, I've been involved in business marketing, I've been involved in entrepreneurial pursuits, and toward the end of my full-time employment career, as it were, around about 10 years ago, I was also heavily involved in the world of, of transformation and professional services. I think one of the things that's really stood out for me and has always been important is how do you marry the human with all of the potential and possibility that digital and data can bring? So when you start talking about change management, when you start talking about transformation or indeed digital transformation, what's always been top of mind for me is what about the human? And, you know, it's 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 beyond the customer, Tony. It's the human. It's the entire audience value chain. So we'll come back. To we'll come back to that. Yep. I'm quite interested in exploring that humanizing transformation element. Yeah. But how do you define transformation um, outside of the humanizing aspect? But you know, there's lots of. Different people have different definitions of what what they think transformation means. So it's always useful to get the context of the rest of the conversation. So how do you define transformation? Good question. And I'm very pleased to say that that question was asked this morning. So I feel as if the answer is there on the tip of my tongue. There is, for me, a, a distinction between innovation and improvement. And for me, that's that, you know, the answer to the difference between innovation and improvement then gives you my certainly my definition of, of what transformation is. And I think when we're talking about change, when we're talking about improvement, we're talking about making things simpler and faster and smarter. So we're working on what we've already got to increase its productivity and to increase its efficiency. Transformation, on the other hand, for me, really talks about being different and um, bringing difference. And when we're being different and bringing difference, then that really is innovation. And I think that the 
you know, the, the, the differentiation there is we're creating from the future and working back as opposed to improvement, which is working and creating from now, trying to claw our way into, into the future. If that, if, you know, if that describes transformation clearly enough for you in terms of my eyes. No, so, so if I sort of, um, sort of relay what I've just heard back to you then, it's very much driven by having a clarity of vision that is yeah. significantly different to present state. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But you need that end vision, that, that, that absolute focus upon the North Star, whatever people call it, and as you say, then work back on working out the how to navigate from where you are to, to, to that end point. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we got to know each other, haven't we, uh, recently over the last few months or so, because we were uh, we're both part of a, a marketing uh, focus group. Um, and, and, and in those early discussions, it quickly became apparent that we, within what we are doing with the Transformation Leaders Orb and what you're doing was very complementary. And I know we, we're working on a number of things that to bring those our respective groups together and, and, and hopefully collaborate in future. Um, I was particularly interested when you started talking to me initially about this whole concept and your approach to humanizing transformation. So do you want to just talk to us a little bit about that and ex explain the background to that and, and what it actually means um, on a, a, a practical level? Absolutely. To, to answer that question, if you don't mind, Tony, I just want to give a belief statement. Absolutely. Because I, I think, you know, when you're talking about human, that there is always going to be some sort of kind of philosophical mindset element to it. And, and we hold a belief as an organisation that the gift of the age we live in is our ability to reconnect with humanity if we are able to leverage digital and data for the good mm -hmm. of the people, the product, the service, the organisation, the system, the community, the planet, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really important. So when we talk about humanising transformation, really what we are talking about is we're talking about how we can reposition and shift projects and programs into people movements so there's less of about doing it to people there's less of that push even less of that nudge and more of that genuine kind of adoption and curiosity and engagement around around transformation so humanizing transformation in its in summary is shifting mindset and identity within an organization that is trying to transform um, and for us, if we've got a portfolio of projects and programs that might be about systems re-architecting, you know, re-architecting uh, uh, technology, you know, product redesign and all of that kind of stuff, all of those projects and programs to umbrella them with a, you know, concept of humanizing transformation, which is who are we? rather than what we do, because the projects and the programs will all, always be about what we do. The humanizing transformation brings in the, the subject and the questions around who are we in terms of where we're going with this transformation. So it's about mindset shift and behavioral shift. Okay, thank you for that. If, if we take it right down to some practical level, you know, a lot of the transformation um, we see and hear about today and we've been actively involved in ourselves. There's 
a significant technology input. So some people call yeah. it digital transformation, some people just call it a technology implementation, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But so on a practical level, if we're talking about putting in, you know, one project I got involved in a couple of years ago, putting in a new ERP solution to a sports services organization. So by definition, a lot of that was putting the connections in place at the right levels, at the right points across all the various systems. But to get it working effectively, you needed to engage the people because they were changing what they were doing, in, et cetera, et cetera. So how would you, how would you overlay that humanizing transformation element into a relatively complex but a relatively simple program of you know a, a technology driven program so no no two projects or programs would be the same in terms of how you would humanize it however there are some thematic techniques that we would want to look at so the first thing that we would do is we'd look at positioning so the transformation project or program that you're working on I would hazard a guess that it has a vision it has a strategy and therefore it has plans that drop into either waterfall or an agile methodology of uh, you know and portfolio projects great but that doesn't connect to a human that connects at a systems level and an organizational level so what we would do is first and foremost we would um, help transition and reposition or reframe vision and strategy and projects and programs into what we call missions to moonshots so moonshots and missions and the the language moonshots and missions is just basically a grandiose way of saying purpose driven because a vision isn't necessarily a purpose but if you connect it to a purpose then that means you connect to an individual human you've got that human to human connection so i can say I can see how I belong here. I could potentially see myself being involved in this as opposed to somebody saying, and we've got this new ERP and it's going to be launching next week and first speech is going to be in by the end of July and then the second and third phase. Oh, and by the way, we're going to have some champions. Oh, and by the way, there will be some skills, uplift and capability. That's not really connecting with me at a human level. So, you know, definitely from a you know at that very very top sort of vision and strategy we would we, we would reframe that to connect it with human through purpose and there's little tricks of the trade that you can do that really easily and it's incredibly powerful the other thing oh, that we would well, do well, is well, it, well, yeah give us one of those tricks of the trade then yeah so well tricks to the trade is go to the sustainability development goals the un sustainability development goals so it doesn't matter how technically um complex a project or a program is if you head over to the UN sustainability goals and have a look, I can guarantee you that one of them will pop for you and you'll go, blimey, you know what? I could tag that onto this project and this program. And as soon as you've got that, that sustainability development goal is mission driven, is purpose driven. You can connect it to a human. So, honestly, that's a little trick for everybody. <laughs> it's interesting you should say that. We um uh, I was I was working with a firm a few months a few months ago and they'd done that. They 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 um as I started it, they, these are little square boxes, aren't they? Multiple coloured boxes. Yeah. And they'd yeah. identified that they were what they were doing was delivering 14 of is the 19, I think, I can't remember, maybe 20 odd, but a, a significant proportion of those sustainability goals were being delivered because of this program. And until you'd said until you'd said that. I never put the two together. So they, there you go. I've learned something. Yeah. That's great. 
Yeah. I mean, it's so, it, you know, it's so incredibly important. And also when you've got that, one of the other tricks, I'll give you another little trick. One of the other things that we do is we encourage the leaders um, to, to, to workshop and to start thinking about instead of a set of, instead of a set of values that, you know, we are going to communicate and we're going to send out to the company. Why, why don't you start thinking about how you can organize a workshop, get the leaders in that workshop and reframe values around a, a transformation program into belief statements? Because mm -hmm. a belief statement is human. A belief statement is connected to an identity. And then the leaders can then go out and their narrative, their stories, their, you know, their encouragement for people to be part of the transformation is humanized immediately and you know there's some work um, a, a great example of an organization that has actually done that is um is standard chartered you know as an organization that's exactly what they did when they wanted to redesign the people the performance management um uh, uh criteria for the organization the leadership team did um you know they 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 united around this idea of um, belief statements to their values and they took those belief statements out to the organization which is brilliant so one of the challenges uh, Mel and, and you'll, 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 you'll be aware of this when you've got a multi-year change program transformation program is maintaining the, that momentum how do you support organizations to really maintain that momentum and what what sort of things do you suggest and recommend to keep that momentum going so they've got the right conditions to achieve what they've set out to achieve well the, you know the answer to that question really lies in our in in our framework is following the framework and we have three key audiences i like to call them the three amigas uh, three audiences that are incredibly important to us um, to ensure that they understand what it means to humanize transformation. So the first audience is anyone who is a um, who is a practitioner of change or transformation. So somebody that is, um, you know, they get paid at the end of the month to do a job that is around transformation. So it's a project manager, it's a IT manager, it's a developer, it's a learning and development OD person, change manager business analyst, you know, the, the lot. So they are what we call the kind of practitioners. And we help them to shift their identity, their own mindset away from being domain experts. Yeah. I am my label, my, I'm a project manager, a program manager, and into I am a modern leader first and my, my expertise follows me. So who am I as a modern leader? So we work with them. We also encourage the adoption of or the emergence of the development of mentoring and coaching because everybody you know everybody in some way shape or form as part of a transformation will will want to talk to somebody at some some stage about their own role in that and about you know their their their, their own belonging so i think that's really important and then the third audience and cluster of course are the leaders themselves what is common to those three audiences is how we work with them to 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 develop this modern leadership identity which essentially is not the same yeah it's seven mindsets so modern leadership for us 
um, through our research over the last 10 years and our work out in the field has been broken down into seven dimensions, into seven mindsets. And it's those seven mindsets that we work with the practitioners, the mentors and coaches and the leaders to understand and then to role model. And if they understand and role model and model and develop those seven dimensions, those seven mindsets within who they are as a modern leader, then we know that there is momentum. We know that there's a ripple effect. Um, and we know that there is this sense of followership. You know, yeah. you know, it really, it really get a domino effect. We're always after the tipping point, Tony. We're not after changing everybody. We want to get to that tipping point. Because when you get to that tipping point using those three clusters, well, the people movement happens in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, are you do you want to share those 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 seven? Seven Yeah, months? sure. Absolutely. So mindset number one, surprise, surprise, care surprise, is the digital native mindset. And the digital native mindset is, you know, it's obvious and it's 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 very, very important. What I would say about the digital native mindset is that there's something that is a little bit less obvious about it that we've learned in our research over the years. Yes, it's about that kind of early adoption, that sense of seamless experiences, that digital first kind of mindset. But there's also something very uh, deeply rooted in values there as well. Um, you know, the active activists, the younger generations are coming to work and they're not saying, how much money are you going to give me? What's the job title am I going to get? When do I get my first promotion? They're actually saying, are you living your values? Can you prove to me that you're doing it? Because that's the organisation I want to work with. So that's really important. Um, mindset two is what we call the beginner's mindset. So it's the adaptive mindset. It's where things like Agile come into play. For us, we really want to foster experimental thinking and experimental practice. Mindset three, the networked mindset. Again, you know, pretty obvious, but equally there's some nuances there that make it a little bit unique in terms of community and diversity um, and frame of reference. Mindset four is the authentic open mindset. So it's about transparency. It's about being yourself, bringing presence and authenticity to the table. Mindset five is what we call data mindfulness. So this is about, you know, yeah, I know, it's cool, huh? <laughs> um, is uh, reconnecting our identity, reconnecting our practice with, with data. Because, you know, I'd say, Tony, I don't know about you. I mean, you and I are both from the world of, of, of transformation anyway, but I, I, definitely my own experience in the last 10 to 15 years, with all of this wonderful tech stuff, we seem to have disconnected our relationship with data in terms of who we are in organisations. And I think data mindfulness is a lovely way of getting leaders to and practitioners to reconnect who they are with data again. You know, So if you think about data, yes, I understand it's about zeros and ones. Okay, and what do you think about mindfulness? What does that mean for you? Well, it's about taking time out, being present in the moment, maybe a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, you know, and um, and so on and so forth. Well, you put the two together, and you've got it essentially. Um, and then the last two, the mindset six and mindset seven. Mindset six is the prepared future mindset. Really important, in, in particular for leaders, I think, because a lot of people in transformation and tech probably have that naturally. But leaders really do need to understand that it is part of their role and not necessarily something that they just delegate out it's somebody else's role so I don't need to worry about it it's not true you know understanding the future is every leader's role and the final one is human-centered so human-centered um, in terms of 
being deeply aware and conscious of all of the audiences in our value chain, right? So not just the customer. Don't put all of our eggs in that one basket of customer and know them so deeply that you don't even recognize what's on the end of your nose, which is maybe a supplier that you're working with that are delivering something which is very transactional to you. And you haven't got a clue that in the background, they're working on a completely different, innovative, disruptive, fantastic product and have got a real ambition around it and you're not aware of it because you don't know them. You haven't built a relationship with them. So, you know, there's a lot of obvious stuff in there, but those are the seven mindsets. That's great. And and I'm assuming then, you know, as you go into an organisation, then, you know, individuals within that organisation will be at different stages in each of those seven and and again, my assumption, I could be completely wrong with this because everyone knows about assumptions. Um, but my assumption would be that actually a strong team would collectively be strong in all seven, but you don't necessarily need to be strong as an individual in all seven. Is that is that right? Or is, is, is your approach to say, actually, as an individual, you need to be building up the each of the mindsets so that you you know you, you can grow and be as effective as you possibly can be yeah that's a really good question the answer is consistency across all seven to be fair I'm sure that everybody listening to the podcast will will either resonate within themselves or think be able to think about somebody else if I was to say somebody spiking you know, an outlier strength in digital mm. native and potentially, you know, future prepared mindset six or even data will be seen as a domain expert because they've spiked as an outlier in those areas. So that's labeling, right? That's okay. labeling again. When we've got consistency across all seven, it's more profile driven. Um, that's really for us. So I think that the 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 maturity of who we are as a modern leader comes less in the maturity of one or two of the mindsets and more about how we are able to consistently evolve across all seven. Brilliant. That's really interesting. And and in terms of your engagement with clients, do you engage with organisations to provide them with that insight, to provide them with this additional knowledge that they need to successfully drive transformation, uh, and and that's it? Or do you do all of that and then support the the delivery of the transformation, if if you can understand the sort of difference in in what I'm saying there? So do, do you use it as a tool that they can access at any stage to build their capabilities? Or do you use it as a tool to help them to deliver transformation and you support that delivery of that transformation? Yeah, um, it used to be the latter, if I was honest with you. Um, but then we, now that the model is proved, we're 10 years in, we've been working with organisations at a leadership level, at a coaching level, at a practitioner level. We've profiled thousands of, of, of leaders over, over over the years. I think we're, you know, more recently we got to the point where we just thought, nah, this is not about outside in anymore. This is about inside out. So what we uh, prefer is we prefer really to work with individuals who can take the framework, be the framework, 
and then from the inside out grow and seed and ripple out the framework within the organization it's it, it it's it's more ethical it's more ethical so definitely an inside out uh, approach so that's where our professional certification um uh, ticket comes into play yeah. yeah and that's where our conversation started way back yeah yeah pretty much we've got people that would actually probably would be interested in 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 in, as you say going through the accreditation process yeah absolutely and it's young you know i am sure that a lot of people here will be very well versed in you know things like agile methodology and scrum and 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 pmi and so forth and they're all absolutely fantastic they are brilliant methodologies when they are used for what the methodologies were created for. I think for us, really, what we're saying is we're tapping into a gap that there isn't a methodology out there that supports transformation practitioners and leaders. And it's the mindset methodology. It's the mindset framework. It's the mindset gap. And that's what this certification is all about, really, is getting as many practitioners and leaders uh, competent to be able to use this mindset methodology in parallel with alongside their their current domain of expertise in order to accelerate transformation because you know what tony when you do humanize transformation you do accelerate it what a fantastic little output you know an unintended positive consequence absolutely interesting you should say that now because the last podcast episode with brendan de cruz he was talking about um, the work that he's been doing in the past um, with PMI and, and other institutions to really get a structure in place that can demonstrate how to manage projects effectively. He's come from an academic background and he's very focused on that. And one of the things we were speaking about is, is there something like that or does there need to be something like that that's about transformation? And actually, you and you and him should get together because it sounds like you've pulled some of that that that, that together, and it'd be it'd be useful for the two of you to to, to get together. So I'll make that connection um, after after this. That sounds great. I'd I'd love that. And you, you, we do a lot of work with PMI as well. You know, I think um, they they do a fantastic amount of work, and they support um, you know their their practitioners really really well as well mindset is messy right you know so I I think a really important message is nobody should be chastised for running a thousand miles in the opposite direction or hoping that somebody else is going to do it or even hoping that miraculously it will take care of itself because it is messy however now that there is that mindset methodology that framework available which means that it is a step-by-step there is, you know, it, it gives you the boundaries, it gives you the guidelines for, um, you, you know, becoming aware, assessing, and then shifting mindsets. I think it, you know, for me, I'm really excited because I feel, I, I absolutely believe it's the missing piece. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that the, the challenge with mindsets is it can fluctuate, isn't it? And it's, it's, that, it's that coaching, that mentoring, that almost that someone sitting on your shoulder and just tapping you, are you sure? Is this... And it, it, that's where you keep your mindset going down the the, the, the route that you want it to go down, isn't it? And uh, yeah, and that's an integral part into in, into the support that you're offering uh, your practitioners, isn't it? And, and the practitioners offer to their uh, to, to their organisations. 
Yeah, absolutely. And community is so incredibly important around this. And and I think what is important as well to remember when you talk about mindset shift, when we're talking about shifting a human system, the identity of an organisation through transformation, is that there's two parts to us. There is the conscious part of us as a human being and there's the unconscious part of who we are as a human being. And the unconscious part is our habits and the conscious part is our creative thinking and our decision making. And what we what we what we need to be doing is we need to be shifting and making change in both of those areas. And that for me is part of the magic and also part of you know the, the, the problem and the challenge because so much around change management and learning and development has been focused traditionally on that conscious piece which is you know what we do our knowledge and and at best how we do our behavior but what is invisible to us all is what lies underneath which is our habits our rituals our mindset our why and we work very heavily on that piece as well yeah and that's the iceberg effect isn't it it's it's the conscious is just the tip of the iceberg one of the areas that we, we tend to cover um, on most of these episodes is stress and stress management, um, mm-hmm. about the things that you do to mitigate any stress within for yourself, but within the teams that you're working with. You know, is there any, anything that you can share from your experience and what you do to mitigate any stresses as you feel them as, you know, as, as, as you go along in life? quite a few things come to mind I think one thing that is really powerful is the ability for us to take moments of stop you know when you're going in and out of teams meetings and zoom meetings and you know the whole navigating the hybrid world that we're in that you know there it is it's very difficult to take a stop moment and having some very very simple techniques to just a few a few breaths or a few affirmations, just a few techniques to stop in between meetings to reconnect and be present so that you're not taking baggage from one into another. You're not taking thoughts about what you need to do tonight into what you're doing now are really important. I always say to my practitioners in training that there are um, two beautiful affirmations that I share um, and practice a lot, which is you know, if I'm really feeling that I'm I'm running ragged, that I really am chasing my tail, wherever I possibly can, I say, who am I? I am me. Where am I? I am here. And I've had, I cannot tell you if I had a penny for every time somebody has laughed at me for saying, yeah, right, well, whatever. And then a few weeks later, I get an email going, oh my God, it works. And yeah. of course it does. It's powerful and simple. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, and it's interesting you should say that. It, it take me back to, uh, I got involved in the launch of Egg, the internet bank, many, many years ago. Um, and this was at the time where the call centres were growing massively and people were just being you know, battered on the data in terms of you've got 45 seconds to get rid of that clock so you can get on to the next one. And, and when, when we set up Egg, we took a completely different perspective. It's like, what we want you to do is invest time with the customer, get to know the customer, build that relationship up. And if you've come off a bad call, the last thing we want you to do is pick the call up again. 
because you, yeah. what you'd be doing is taking that emotion into the next call and the next customer yeah. will get hacked off with you. So we had this, we called it a meditation room, but it was just a, it was just a, 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 a sort of um, a place that they could go to. And actually more often than not, by the time they'd walked to it and gone in, it was a bit colourful and some comfy chairs. They were only in it for a couple of minutes and they were coming out. But it was that break, getting getting away from that last call. And as they walked yeah. up to this, they could then breathe. They could then take the time out. And by, usually by the time they got to the door, they were ready to come back on. And they'd forgotten that last call. And it, but it is, isn't it? It's just giving you that, when you feel the pressure, stepping back and moving away from Absolutely. And all too often, yeah. our natural instinct is to, is to move towards it, isn't it? And to, to go deeper. And, and yeah just got to catch yourself absolutely there you know rather than a very small technique i think there's also something that is continuously becoming uh more emergent and more mainstream and that is the idea of relinquishing our slavery to time and becoming masters of attention and energy that is very important to us as well and and integral to all of our work how do you start to manage your attention as opposed to constantly trying to manage our time? And, you know, just thinking about it, it is impossible for you to manage time, but you can manage where you place your attention. So that's something else as well that I think is really important for people to consider. Totally agree. Totally agree. So we're coming towards the end of our time. Um, if there's one thing that you want people to leave with, what would that be? What's your sort of key non-negotiable I think for me it would be who you are will always be so much more important than what you do brilliant thanks Mel that's really great and and, and if people want to hear a little bit more about humanizing transformation and 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 access more information about some of the some of the uh, offers and services that you offer where, where can they find more information so um, directly with myself, mel.ross at adapttodigital.com.com and also uh, at free to join community. So we have a lead in 4d.com community, more than happy. I could share those links with you, Tony. Yeah, yeah, if you do, and I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Mel. It's great to uh, great conversation and I'm sure there'll be lots of opportunities for us to work together in the future. Oh, I hope so. I look forward to that. Thanks so much, Tony. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. That was a great and really insightful podcast. So if you'd like to know more or indeed talk to Mel further about her approach to humanising transformation, please do reach out to her. I'll include the relevant links in the show notes. Ultimately, this is the core purpose of this podcast, to share proven approaches that can help you successfully deliver transformation within your organisation. The podcast goes hand in hand with the approach that we take within the Transformation Leaders Hub, a community focused exclusively on those operating within change and transformation. So if you've not checked it out as yet, please do so today by clicking on the link in the show notes. I look forward to sharing another episode with you in a couple of weeks time. So bye for now.